Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we discovered little Daniel... <laughs> I was going to call him Danny again. <laughs> Daniel LaRusso might not have been the hero we all thought he once was in Karate Kid, which means today it's time to discover anything Mr. Miyagi can do the actual ghost of Bruce Lee can do sort of. <gasps> what? From 1985. It's no retreat, no surrender. Jason believed in the way of the dragon, but others didn't. Eat me up? Don't worry, I'm nobody's lunch. Now you force my hand. An example must be made. Then one day, the dragon returned. You know. You asked me to come. No Retreat, No Surrender is a martial arts masterpiece. Never before has unarmed combat been displayed as powerfully as in this pugilistic arena of death. You're good. I get better. No Retreat, No Surrender! So which film will leave here as a black belt and which will be left battered and bruised on the arena floor? We'll know by the end of the show. So let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters! Jason! Jason! I think my leg is broken! <laughs> I'm Alex Zane. I'm Chris Tilly. And that is your lot for this week. Victoria is still away, missing out on what... Uh, Possibly, I don't want to over-egg it, could be one of the greatest films we've ever discussed on this here episode, this here podcast, Nay. No retreat, no surrender. So, uh, Chris, we did The Karate Kid on Monday. Tell yeah. me, what's your thinking behind selecting this movie? Ooh, what to clash The Karate Kid with is the question. Mm. We didn't really want to do the remake. Uh, there's a bunch of other martial arts films from the 80s. I remembered this one, and then I sort of dawned on me, oh, it does follow a very similar plot, even though it's definitely not a remake. We'll not get there. a remake. And also, I just remember it being quite funny. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I, but also I, I was I was slightly <laughs> nervous suggesting it because um, obviously the toughest man in the world, which mm. I would put in the same category, uh, didn't go down brilliantly with my colleagues, and so I did I did rewatch it um, a few weeks ago to make sure, and I felt like this would be something we could have a good time discussing. <laughs> Yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, well, I think we'll have a good time. I mean, certainly I think it's a fairer fight than perhaps you think it is, um, which is going to present um, quite a quandary uh, come the verdict this week, which uh, neither of us have actually uh, analysed or talked about. But uh, we'll get there, dear Clash Podders. You'll find out when we do. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a dick. Just don't, don't be a dick. I'm not being that's, a dick. OK, I'm just saying that's all we have to do is not be one. I'm not going to be a dick. OK. I'm, I'm, literally, I'm not going to be a dick. Uh, all right, then. So uh, before we get started on this incredible, incredible film, uh, it's time to dip into the digital mailbag and a review from Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly. Take it away. Yeah, it's not a review from me. It's from iPhone FTW, who right. says, one of my top five podcasts. Great podcast for a binge and also to refer back to episodes when you watch movies they've covered. A good way to fill that lull after a movie, listening to three well-informed mates, having a laugh and sharing opinions about the film. Five stars! Thank you. That's very kind of you. Lovely review. That's lovely. Yeah. Five stars. Beautiful. Excellent Thanks. work. All right, then. <sighs> On Monday, Chris found a fly in his chopsticks, which means today, wow, 
just wow. It's no retreat, no surrender. Let me take you on a journey. Jason is a Bruce Lee fanatic who is forced to move from Los Angeles to Seattle after Jean-Claude Van Damme kicks the shit out of his dad because, for some inexplicable reason, the New York Mafia have decided to use dojos in every city in the continental USA as fronts for money laundering. I think. Anyway, in Seattle, he meets RJ, who likes to eat phallic ice cream while sitting on Jason's thrusting pelvis <laughs> and whose stunt double can breakdance very well. <laughs> he also meets his first nemesis, Scott, who enjoys eating entire cakes out of their box on the street, followed by Dean Ramsey, who is in no way identical to Johnny Lawrence from Karate Kid, OK? Anyway, after being beaten up in front of a girl, he fancies... Jason summons the ghost of Bruce Lee, an event that he somehow doesn't find surprising in any way. Lee then trains him by beating him up. After not one but four training montages, Jason finally gets to exact his revenge on the bullies. No, no, wait, that never happens. Instead, he fights Jean-Claude Van Damme, who by all accounts during the fight scenes actually beat up a lot of the cast for real. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration... No retreats, no surrender. <laughs> no, because his bully starts fighting Jean-Claude Van Damme as well. What kind of a character arc is that? <laughs> it's just, it's absolutely mad. The, the, the climax that you've been waiting for close to two hours for in this movie, and then they go, that's not what you're getting. No. <laughs> you're not going to get, he, Jason isn't going to get the revenge he wants. So, uh, he's going to fight a gangster who works for organised crime in an exhibition match that organised criminals have put on as a way of winning a dojo. A, blo a bloke we haven't seen since the opening scene. <laughs> uh, OK, my history's with this movie. I'd never heard of this film until you mentioned it the other week, Chris. Uh, so, as you just touched on, this fits into the Southern Comfort, Toughest Man in the World catalog, uh, catalog, Society. Society. Yeah. Catalogue of movies that uh, you've introduced me to. OK. Uh, although I'm not going to say where this sits on that sliding scale of quality. <laughs> um, so I'm surprised you haven't heard of it because this was a big martial arts title in the 80s. It's the one that introduced me and my mates to Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm. Not literally. We just saw him in the film. And it spawned sequels. It was a big hit. It made a lot of money. It spawned sequels. Um, so it felt... And, and it's got quite a memorable title as well. It's so, a great title. So Not the original title. Oh, good. Good. I'm... I'm do you want to say that now? Or? No, I'll save it. So, um, yeah, I guess older brothers or my cousins would lend me or kind of make me watch martial arts films. They yep. weren't my favourite thing. Um, I w was sure I'd seen this film before. <laughs> Turns out I had seen the ending. I'd seen the fight at the end. Right. I think I'd seen the, fight, the, the, the scene at the beginning. I don't have any memory of anything that happens in the middle of this film because it is genuinely mem memorable. You wouldn't forget this in a hurry. It's madly memorable. So, so yeah, I decided to rewatch it just to check the other day. That's when I discovered I hadn't seen it before. I felt like it was still worthwhile. Half an hour in, I thought I really need a drink here. <laughs> now, Alex has made the mistake before of having quite a few drinks while prepping for one of these films yep. and then the next day having to rewatch them um, because he can't remember much of the films. So I try not to make that mistake. It could easily happen. This time, I drank a full bottle of wine <laughs> during the middle hour of this film. I was hammered at the end, and yet I can remember every single second of this movie. Uh, I, I, it, it wasn't the fever dream that you were worried about, Alex. It's It's imprinted on my mind and that is why I texted you to say mate please have a drink and you were already halfway through it was already too late I was, it was too late I, I was in and I was like I'm not going to drink during this movie because it's, it's it's unpredictable enough I think I had a better time I'll tell you a little bit about the history of this mm. movie. So well, it's a remake of the Cry. <laughs> it's not. It's absolutely not. <laughs> and Rocky, uh, slash Rocky Four. Star of the movie. Okay, well that's interesting because Kurt McKinney, who plays Jason, yeah. does say this is much more a remake of Rocky Four yeah. than it is the Karate Kid. And in the interview that I listened to, I'll go into it later. Mm. He does say, as we mentioned on Monday, that he believes that these films were being written around the same time. So how could it be a remake mm. of the Karate Kid? Mm. Mm. So did someone else? live Robert Mark Kamen's life. <laughs> it sounds like uh, writer Keith Strandberg may have done. So this is the brainchild of writer Keith Strandberg and the legendary Chinese producer Si Young Ung, who was the man behind numerous martial arts films, including uh, The Brilliant Drunken Master. So... Similarities, mirrors. Uh, Keith had been a martial artist since 14. 
Fair enough. And while he hadn't been bullied, uh, he had, like Jason in this film, become fascinated with Bruce Lee. So Keith ends up learning Mandarin as a second language at uni and becomes a tour guide in China. And he stops over in Hong Kong every visit to try and have meetings with film studios with the dream of becoming a martial arts actor. Now, while that dream was never realised, he did meet Si Yun Ung. Then Keith starts chatting to him in English, and Ung isn't particularly enthused, but bang! Keith switches to Mandarin, and Ung is like, amazing. They hit it off, and he says, look, I'm actually looking to make an American martial arts movie. Have you ever written a screenplay? And Keith, uh, much the same way as the moment in Ghostbusters, uh, says... <laughs> if I'm someone, afraid of no ghost. <laughs> if someone asks you if you have written a screenplay, mm. you say yes. Yep. So he goes, yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm all over screenplays, mate. All over them. And then the go and bastards. buy go and buy the screenplay for the Karate Kid. <laughs> but he'd never even held a screenplay, sure. let alone written one. Can believe it. I can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 is quite self-deprecating. We'll come to that. Okay, so he writes enough. No Retreat, No Surrender, uh, based on a story by Ung. Uh, Keith says he's very grateful to Ung for standing by him uh, after this movie and allowing him to write four more movies for him, including Two No Retreat, No Surrender sequels, uh, because in Keith's words, his script was so bad. They had to cut out so much. He was on set every day, and after they filmed every day, he'd write till five in the morning, mm. get two hours sleep, and start filming the following day because he mm. had to make the script better can, every single day. I can tell this was written at four in the morning. <laughs> Uh, the only other really uh, noteworthy uh, mention before we get into the cast is uh, the director and martial artist Corey Yun, uh, who made his English language debut with this feature. Uh, he has choreographed so many Hollywood movies, Lethal Weapon 4, X-Men. Uh, he gets a co-director, a weird co-director credit on The Transporter. Mm. So he directed The Transporter, but then... Uh, Louis Leterrier gets uh, artistic director credit. So I think he basically directed all the fight scenes. Sure. And, and Leterrier's doing the actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also did a movie, uh, Corey Young, that I think we should cover at some point, which you're going to go, absolutely not. Uh, the Holly Valance film, DOA. I think that's one for Vicky to decide. Okay. Let's talk about the casting. Kurt McKinney. He'd been doing martial arts since he was 12. He was 22 when he auditioned for it. He'd been living in LA for a little while, doing auditions, working in a spaghetti house. And he auditioned uh, for this movie when it was known as Ring of Truth. Not as good. Not as good. No. Not as good. So this was his first movie. Uh, Van Damme, this was his biggest role today. He'd had tiny parts in a few other movies. So this is, what, 1985? We're still three years away from Bloodsport. Uh, so this was his biggest movie today. That would be his next movie, Bloodsport. I've got some great Van Damme intel as we go through this film. Uh, so it was shot for about $400,000, but it made a lot of money on yeah. home rental, like... Yeah, people like it you. Was, I mean, were renting this movie. This I was looking at it online. Like I said, never heard of it before. Yeah, did a bit of research. There's there's people who do love this movie. Yeah. This movie has a lot of nostalgia. It's a proper cult hit, a cult movie. And and look, there wasn't a lot of choice. If you'd go down the video shop, and there might be two or three new releases a, a week, and half of them weren't aimed at you. And half of them probably were out. And so you ended up watching a lot of martial arts shite when you were in the 80s but this and you were is, a kid. This is a, this is a movie that actually has... I think the fight scenes in this, you touched on it on Monday, yeah, are bad. way better than those in Karate Pretty Kid. Good. They're good. The good fight scenes. Pretty good. Shall we go through this film? Uh, the title. Mm. Do you know where the title comes from? This got oh. me super excited. Okay, hit me. Um, it's from a Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. There's a '84. Uh, he came out with "Born in the USA." There's an OK song in it called "No Surrender," and the chorus is "No Retreat, No Surrender." It's a great title, and it's from the boss. It's a great title. Yeah, it was a, it's a great title. It's, it's a title so good you should say it over and over again in your film. Three times. Uh, three times. Uh, all said by RJ. RJ. As well. RJ can't get enough of that. He's uh, he's a big fan of the boss. And the first time you say it should be just before you retreat. <laughs> So we meet Jason. He's practising karate at his dad's LA dojo. Uh, but then he beats the shit out of his sparring partner. Like a right... Yes. I don't know. 
bully? Yeah, you say? it's a strange way to introduce our hero doing something really out of order. It's a strange way to introduce a hero who's then going to sort of be bullied for a lot of this movie, and he's a bully from the start. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. Um, have you ever done martial arts, Chris? No. I once did Taekwondo. Yep. Hard to believe, really, isn't it? Me doing Taekwondo? Uh, no, not really. I don't know why I did it, but I did it uh, with the same friend I went to see Cliffhanger with, James Jolly. James Jolly, yeah, he comes up a lot, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of things with him. Uh, so, that sounded weird, uh, uh, but... How did you get on when you did it? Uh, I absolutely hated it because uh, there was feet everywhere. Uh, I must have gone for about four lessons, and then I was like, fuck this. And it was largely because... The class was an hour long, and at the 45-minute mark, uh, all the new kids would be told to just sort of sit round the sides of the room. And this was a period where Street Fighter 2 was massive. Mm. And so, like, the, the the Johnny Lawrences, if you will, of the group, the Dean Ramseys of No Retreat, No Surrender, would try and do the Ken and Ryu helicopter kick up and down the, mo- up and down oh, wow. the room, jumping in the air and seeing how many times they could spin round. Mm. We were all meant to just sit and watch and be like, amazing. That sounds rubbish. It was awful. So... Uh, we meet Jason's dad, mm. played by a uh, martial artist, not an actor, Tim Baker. Mm. Uh, by all accounts, a good martial artist slash not a good actor. Yeah. Uh, that was when I first started thinking I might need a glass of wine. <laughs> His range is from hysteria <laughs> yes. to absolute manic hysteria. Yeah. Uh, those are his two settings. Uh, most of the hysteria is directed at his son, Jason, who he seems to hate. <laughs> Uh, enter three unspecified gangsters who literally enter to the music. It's not far off. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, one of these ever so threatening gangsters wearing his karate outfit. Yeah. He, he's he's come dressed in his karate outfit just, just in case. But doesn't uh, JCVD look good in his white suit? He looks so good. Yeah. He looks absolutely immaculate uh i love him uh kurt mckinney uh, tells a story considering how immaculate he looks in this movie and the fact this is jean-claude van damme who we know now and you sort of you're like jean-claude van damme you know he on this movie this was like he was starting out and at the end of the shooting each day he'd have to get Kurt McKinney and the other cast to push his Volkswagen down a hill to get it to start because it would only start if it was moving. Not unlike the Karate Kids. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good to know. Even behind the scenes, this film's a rip-off. Yeah, but um, I'm glad when he did finally get success, it didn't go to his head. I'm glad he just seems like a very grounded, nice bloke. Who has never forgotten having Kurt McKinney push his Volkswagen down a hill never. to get it going. Uh, so... Van Damme breaks Jason's dad's leg. He was steering. It's just so weird that it's his dad. I don't know if this is me and I've... Uh, I, it's actually quite sweet that someone's dad is going, Jason! Jason, I think my leg is broken. Would you shout that to your son? I, I remember when I, my, I got my nose broken in an indoor hockey match and I, uh, I was playing against uh, our arch rivals, the local school, and... Oh, my mum came running on the pitch and I wanted my mum off the pitch. I'm saying, get off, get off, because it was so embarrassing. I could see the opposition lad just laughing. His mum, look at him, his little mum. But my nose was broken and there was blood squirting out of it. Eesh. Yeah, it was horrible. That sounds nasty. Um, so that's because you're saying the fighting's good, but it's very clearly sped up. Yes. It, it, not, not in all the scenes, but here it very definitely is, which makes it quite hard to watch. I didn't mind it. No, you don't want to watch sped up. It's... I mean, they speed up a lot of a lot of the Hong Kong martial arts movies. Also, sped up the the fight scenes. But what they did was they had like having so much more experience than the Americans yes. did. What they could do was do it where it, it looks almost natural. Exactly, you, you hold certain things like motionless, so yes. that it's just the kicks it, or the here punch. It's, it's a little bit Benny Hill, a little bit. Um, I really wish V was here for this next bit because um, we. <laughs> are aware that she's a fan of face acting on this podcast. (laughs) Here we get what I'm now deeming extreme (laughs) face acting. So Tom, Jason's dad, he's in hospital and the number of expressions he pulls in that hospital bed inside 30 seconds is obscene. It's it's a lot of thinking. So much thinking. I feel like I know what he's thinking. It works on me, Al. The strings kick in. We get massive exposition monologue, tearful exposition. Oh, the killer was Krasinski, the Russian. 
They want all the major dojos as fronts for organised crime. I know they'll be back. What should I do? I can't risk my family. There's nothing else to do but... Retreat! <laughs> Not retreat, leave. Leave, well, leave town. Yeah, but he shouldn't say... He should say, retreat. <laughs> he should say, retreat. Yeah, yeah. He says, leave. So we're off to Seattle. Jason uh, meets RJ, uh, played mm. by J.W. Fails. Uh, oh, a lot of stereotypes going on here, aren't there? Interesting conversation to be had about that. So uh, he was asked on a podcast that I discovered called The Kid Free Weekend, where he was interviewed uh, by a man and wife, uh, Kurt McKinney was. And he says that a lot of the breakdancing stuff and the fact that he turns up with a boombox and all the rest of it, all these stereotypes, were really came from the Hong Kong film producers who sort of, they were like, this is funny to us. This is, you know, mm. these stereotypes are what we expect. And so they were sort of crowbarred into the movie because of that. You know, That's bad then. Yeah, I think so. Because 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 Cayman said he he, he witnessed dirt bike gangs in that area, so he put them in his script. Here we've got cycling. He's got the big radio. He's good at basketball. He's he can rap. He can moonwalk. He can skateboard. He can break dance. He can body pop. Mm. It's just and and also. Unfortunately, the actor can't do a lot of those things. Well, that's what uh, that's what Kurt McKinney says on the podcast. He says uh, J.W. Fails said to the producers he was a break dancer, said he was a rapper, he couldn't do either, and he couldn't even skateboard in the movie. But he also had to be a nice bloke, and he does come across. He just seems R.J. seems like the nicest dude. He does. He seems great. Uh, apparently, the guy breakdancing was a Spanish man in an Afro wig. <laughs> that's uh, that's who does the breakdancing oh, in the movie. God. So uh, we meet Scott. Mm, eating a box of ding-dongs and a sheet of cake. It's, it's mad. Uh, he's got a whole chocolate sponge cake that he's smearing on in his face, mm. like fisting about 50% of it into his mouth. He's, he's just so angry that these Bruce Lee freaks keep moving to his neighbourhood, which begs the question, how many Bruce Lee freaks have moved to his neighbourhood? And it begs the question, why do you hate Bruce Lee freaks when you yourself are a member of a dojo? Good point. I mean, I think we we never... No, I'm not going to spoil it. Go on, keep going, keep going. Are you going to say we never really find out why mm. he hates RJ? It's my change. Okay. Because yeah. he actually has the line, I have my reasons. Has his reasons. And I've read somewhere there was some... I mean, who knows? Some deleted scene where he, he, he RJ tripped him in the cafeteria and he dropped his food and that's why he hates him. But for me, the only things he hates are Bruce Lee and an African-American lad in his neighbourhood. And it makes me think, it's Scott just a massive racist. Mm, I, I know what you mean. Again, returning to this Kurt McKinney interview, he said they were never told exactly why Scott hated RJ. It was just this assumption that mm. he was the local bully and that's why he didn't like RJ or indeed Jason. Well, unfortunately, you jumped to conclusions then. Yep. I agree. I agree. Uh, so, Jason and RJ visit Bruce Lee's grave in Seattle. Yep. Which, until I watched this, I didn't know Bruce Lee was buried in Seattle. Me neither. It's it's information I have known and then forgotten, and it's it is strange to think. It is. I mean, uh, uh, it's because he uh, went to high school in Seattle. Mm. He met his wife in Seattle. And she, uh, Linda Emery, talks about how it was the happiest time in his life, actually, when he was teaching oh. martial arts in Seattle. And so when he passed, she was like, that's oh, where he needs to be that's buried. That's beautiful. I mean, I probably would have figured out if I'd watched Dragon the Bruce Lee story more recently, which is a very good film and mostly about that period. Mm. What's even sadder is that uh, you look at photos now and obviously, it's the same grave as in in the movie, but now his uh, next to him is Brandon Lee's grave, who's buried next to him God. after uh, that awful accident in 1993 on the set of The Crow. So back to the movie. Uh, Jason defends RJ outside a burger bar. Scott's buying burgers for kids. Mm. Um, is he a predator? <laughs> like they're all much younger than him. It strikes me those kids because he looks about forty. Um, and also RJ is outside um, the burger joint. He's just looking around. What's he doing? He's like looking in different directions, just sort of standing and walking sides, like looking around. What you've got to have your characters doing something in a script. People don't just stand and look around. It's like the uh, the quote uh, that uh, Bubba Smith used when we were talking about Police Academy, and it was like he yes. asked the director, "He's like, where have I come from? Yeah. Where, where have I come from?" He's like, "The director's like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You no. just walk into this scene. Yeah. Here, it's an example of actually, no, he does need to have a purpose. Yes. He, can't, he can't just look vulnerable outside a burger yeah. bar." 
Uh, but vulnerable he is mm. because uh, who's to the rescue? Jason kicks their asses, goes home. Dad Tom, oof, he is not happy. No, it's good. they try and get a bit artistic here, though, where the argument happens and we're outside the house sort of peeking through a window. Mm. I like that that's the one effort in this film, to do something that looks good. Yeah, I mean, if sort of the dialogue could match, uh, you know, the artistry mm. here, uh, but basically since getting his leg broken by Van Damme, Tom is fundamentally anti-fighting. He's gone yes. from running a dojo to be like, you, no one fights. If I find out anyone's yep. been fighting, or as he says to his own, son i don't know what i've raised <laughs> yeah and and this is not saying it follows uh, the karate kid but we get the same thing in karate kid with the, with mother and son and we were talking about how beautiful and authentic that is here it's just painful it's because tom is always always on the edge of of, of a manic episode he's on the edge of tears he's on the edge of doing something crazy sure and his son is always he's just it's that it's that i'm not a child you know it's that thing it's it's that i'm not a child i'm a grown-up argument which is quite boring to hear whereas at least Daniel LaRusso has something to say where he yep. didn't want to move to that town and he's 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 he's, he's, he's going to get killed yeah uh, which um, factually uh, Jason could also level at his dad here yep. but, uh, but doesn't doesn't no. doesn't uh, because the script is written they, at five in the morning was, was <laughs> they forgot to cut and paste that sentence from the Karate Kid script uh, right we'll take a break and then we're going to meet karate champion Riley because he plays a big part in the film Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. All right, we're back. Uh, let's meet karate champ Ian Riley, uh, who we see on TV at definitely the real MGM Grand and not a local <laughs> sports hall. Uh, he's winning a karate competition. Right now, that's all you need to know about Ian. No, uh, we'll yep. come back to Ian. Mm. He seems like a very smiley man. <laughs> he does. He does. And he's taken first in nationals. I love that as a phrase. Uh, but he does run a dojo mm. in Seattle. And and so Jason uh, wants to join a dojo. And so they visit this dojo. Yeah, who's looking after it in Ian's absence, Alex? <laughs> Dean Ramsey. Oh. Uh, yeah, Dean's Dean. Tell me more about Dean. No, I, I will do. But first, I think we should focus on what both impresses Jason and RJ to a degree that I, I, I've... So I've never really been able to comprehend in the three times I watched this scene to sort of feel if there was something I was missing. So they're in a locker room, uh, which to anyone watching this film movie... Uh, have you, have you ever been in a locker room? I've, I've seen a locker room yeah. in, in other films. I know fundamentally what a locker room looks sure. like. Uh, and, and to me, this appears to be a, a, a run-of-the-mill yep. locker room. It is a room... Yeah, benches with lockers. Yep, and lockers. Yep. Yeah, and lockers. Yeah, a few not, towels. Not to RJ and Jason. Uh, RJ looks around the room and goes... Not bad. Mm. Not bad at all. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I missing something? Here? Yeah. What maybe, is it? maybe it's got that nice smell that a really upmarket locker room can have. Well, I mean, Jason hasn't seen the dojo yet. He's seen the locker room at the dojo, but he follows up with, yeah, this is a nice dojo. I'll probably join. <laughs> this is all from the locker room. But sure enough, Dean Ramsey is here. Oh. Now I know I know he's an actor, but I can tell that bloke's not a good bloke who plays <laughs> Dean. I can just tell. <laughs> Billy Zabka, it turns out he's a great dude, but this guy, I'm sorry. Am I am I allowed to say that? I mean he's either an amazing actor, <laughs> which granted seems unlikely, or perhaps he's tapping into some element of himself. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, Dean is, is is a bad dude in this. Uh, Even when he's being nice at first, isn't he? Before he knows the truth. 
Yeah. Is he? he I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I figured he was a bad dude from the minute he showed up. Maybe hmm. he's just got bad dude face, and that's an sure. affliction. That's sure. a real affliction in cinema. You can have bad dude face. It's um, actually quite good looking. Yeah, but he's got a bad dude face. Okay. He's too good looking. And anyway, I feel like I've got to pay him a compliment. Now. Yeah, you, horrible you, about you him. do. It's it's fine. Uh, he does a lot of work for charity. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it turns out that Scott uh, is uh, unbelievably also part of this dojo. Mm. Uh, he uh, emerges looming from behind a punch bag. He sees that Jason is here, and he doesn't like Jason because why is he a Bruce Lee freak? And <laughs> and he's friends with RJ. Yeah. There's one thing Jason uh, Scott doesn't like. It's, it's Bruce Lee freaks. What's the one thing Dean won't like hearing, though? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> thank God for no retreat, no surrender, because until I saw this movie, mm. I was completely unaware of this ancient rivalry yeah. between L.A. karate and Seattle karate. Yeah. And thank you to this movie for highlighting this age-old conflict that people were unaware of. I, I feel like you're making a joke here, but seriously, how can you say that LA Karate is better than Seattle Karate? <laughs> how can he say that? Uh, I just... I, I, I did have to look. I, I was like, is this a thing? It's not a thing. It's not. But I thought it might be a thing. Just text like... me next time. <laughs> oh, so uh, Jason gets his ass handed to him. By uh, Pete. Yeah. Dean makes him fight Frank Peters, played by real-life kickboxing legend Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, one of the all-time great kickboxers. Oh, I did not know that. Yep. Uh, really, he's... Well, there's a funny story involving him and Van Damme will come to... Um, but you, you said you've done martial arts... I haven't. They're mm. doing it on this wooden floor. Is that normal? No. Okay. Uh, it oh, actually, sorry. Yes, it is. Is yeah. it on a wooden floor? Yeah, I'm pretty sure ours was on a wooden floor. Yeah. Okay. What? Yeah, I don't think you had. I don't think we had mats down. I mean, I might be wrong. Maybe this is why I didn't do martial arts. Mats. Yeah. It's got to be a mat, mate. Just remember my friend James Jolly. If I mentioned him, mm. anyway, he was fighting with someone, and then he went to block. And he put his finger. He had, he had you got to cut your nails if you do martial arts. That's what I, I learned. Because he had he had a long fingernail, and he dragged it across his cheek, and it ripped off a, a flap of skin. Ugh. It was pretty bad. He had, a, he, he had a scar for a long time. It was, it was pretty bad. Anyway, Jason uh, runs off. This is not the he dojo retreats. for him. <laughs> him and RJ retreat. Uh, time to meet. Kelly, who's mm. having a birthday party. Now, uh, if you watch this film, which I'm sure you did because you're professional clash potters, you're probably asking at this point, who the fuck is Kelly? And you'd be absolutely yes. right. What is going on? What have I missed? Did I, did I, was I asleep for 10 minutes? Yeah, so apparently uh, during his time in Seattle, Jason has struck up a romantic relationship with Kelly entirely off screen. Uh, mm. Why would you need... No. To put this this burgeoning romance in a film when you can have a, a sequence where Scott uses a power hose to knock over coke cans instead. That's 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 what you'd put in the no, movie. No, there's a line later on where she says he's a friend of mine from Los Angeles we met last summer. Oh. Yeah. Oh so they've God. known each other for a while. Okay, but we we could we could have still done with like No, that um, that information comes much later than it should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, they seem like boyfriend and girlfriend here. Yes, uh yeah, they do. Um so rather than take you through uh, the Kelly Jason Dean dynamic, uh, it's easier if you just imagine the Ali Daniel Johnny dynamic in Karate Kid uh, with a, a few small caveats uh, mm. which I I'll, I'll go through now. Number 1. <laughs> <laughs> Jason wraps up a live bunny rabbit in a box to give mm. Kelly as a gift without providing any of the equipment with which to house a live rabbit. Number two, Dean, who fancies Kelly as well, actually says the line about his feelings. Kelly, don't fight it. It's bigger than the both of us. <laughs> Number three, in a massively coincidental twist slash ridiculous twist, Kelly's brother is karate champ Ian Riley, who Jason didn't realise was Kelly's brother, who runs the dojo that Dean is a member of, because we know what, Seattle's a small town, it's a tiny town, it's, like, it's more a, a, a gathering of a few dwellings. They've known each other for a year, all he talks about is Bruce Lee mm. and martial arts, and she didn't mention that her brother... 
yeah. is a champion. I think she's probably keeping uh, her relationship with her brother Ian uh, on the down low because while Ian is good at karate, I don't think he's very well. At one point, he's told us a phone call for him, <laughs> and the expression on his face suggests he has no concept of what a phone call or indeed a phone fucking is. Uh, he go, and someone goes, "It's a phone call for you." He goes, oh, "What's that?" And uh, when uh, you know, I moaned about Daniel um, eating her face in the karate kid i mean ian's relationship with kelly is questionable when he sees her he hasn't seen her for a, a while mm. that is not how brother and sister greet each other <laughs> what happens again he's just me? all over her his hands everywhere ian's, <laughs> ian's a wrong one he's, he's supposed to be a nice bloke but in that scene that is not what siblings do ian yeah, I think he smiles too much to be a genuinely nice bloke, and so I, 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 I I'll go with that. I think there's something going on there. Um, uh, when Dean sees Jason at the party, uh, this is my favourite of all of them. So this is number five on my list. <laughs> this is, oh, oh god, this is so good. This is so. This might be one of my favourite moments we've ever had on Clash of the Fucking. Yeah, we titles. should have watched this together, man. <laughs> this is, this is amazing. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. When Dean sees Jason at the party, his line is clearly meant to be, look what the cat dragged in. <laughs> but what Dean actually says is, look what the cat drug in. <laughs> because in this movie, drug is clearly the past tense of drag and no one corrects <laughs> no. him or reshoots the no scene. Need, no need for second takes and no retreat, no surrender. <laughs> look what the cat drug in. <laughs> It's the most amazing thing. That's how Dean would say it. Oh, God. I couldn't believe it. I went back and watched it five times. I was like, right, the past tense of to drag is to drug. (laughs) So... Jason gets his ass handed to him again, and so he takes it out on Kelly, shouting, give it a rest, Kelly, while slowly reversing down the drive in a station wagon. (laughs) Then he immediately, which we talked about on Monday, Mm. starts having Vietnam-like flashbacks in the car to what happened less than three minutes ago. 100% they homage this in that first series of Cobra Kai. It's very funny. So where are you going to go when this has happened? You're going to go to Bruce Lee's grave and ask for help from Sensei Lee before heading home where hysterical dad Tom is being hysterical. Uh, He sees Jason has been fighting again and he squawks, you know how I feel about fighting. Uh, No, dad, you spent your entire (laughs) life teaching me how to fight. Uh, This is just, uh, he's mad. Uh, Tom is a a madman. He's shouting and screaming his own teenage son. His own garage. his, His own teenage son is the one who says, dad, Let's go inside and talk. Like, he's being reasonable. But meanwhile, Dad is ripping down the Bruce Lee poster in the training garage. Uh, he's he's had it. So, uh, Jason, uh, as you do, moved all, moved all his, training, his training equipment into a, in, into a derelict house. It's a crack den. Mm. Uh, RJ takes him to a crack den to store his stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not happy about that. Yeah, uh, but finally at 50 minutes, Bruce Lee's ghost shows up you know the exploitation of bruce lee his name his image his persona after he died is is criminal Mm. you know what people did you know making movies filming funeral you know doing fake films making people think that he'd been in them this might be the worst of the lot filming having him in the film and and filming at his grave i think is pretty i think the grave thing's really weird yeah that's the point that's the problem i'd imagine you would I mean, I don't know. This doesn't feel like a film, and I'll explain why later on, that has done the right legal documentation to do what it did. But you'd imagine something like that, you would have had to get permission from Bruce Lee's estate. And I don't think they probably did. No. But here we go. Let's talk about this. Mm. Because... Bruce Lee's ghost shows up. A fact that might come of something as a shock uh, to our protagonist, Jason. No. <laughs> so chill. No. Finds it completely normal. About bloody time, Bruce. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's just another fucking day in Jason's life that the ghost of martial arts legend Bruce Lee has manifested in this crack den. So, <laughs> the actor is Tai Jong Kim, uh, who was one of two stand-ins for Bruce Lee used to complete Game of Death Mm. after Lee died during filming. I'm guessing for his martial arts abilities and not for his face. Great, exactly. So he doesn't look anything like Bruce Lee. Uh, That's that's okay, 
But you, what you want to do as the film is just sort of, you want to ride the wave of going, we're saying this is the ghost of Bruce Lee, fine. What you don't want to do is have Jason turn from the ghost of Bruce Lee to a poster of actual <laughs> Bruce Lee that looks like actual Bruce Lee for confirmation that this is mm. the ghost of Bruce mm. Lee before turning back and going, yep, yeah, it's you, Sensei Lee. You're like, don't do nah. that. Yeah, Just gloss over it. Nah. Don't go with that poster, Mate. that face. Yeah. It's it's uh, 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 astonishing. Uh so Tai Jong Kim didn't speak any English. He delivered his lines in his native Korean and they dubbed him afterwards, which means that in all these training scenes, neither Kurt McKinney or Tai Jong Kim have any idea what the other person is actually saying. I don't have any idea what Bruce Lee's saying. I completely missed the glass analogy when he's pouring... Glass Coca Cola from one glass into another, and with water, I did. I didn't. I just didn't get the analogy. So, so it's a slightly different analogy, but it's playing off of this. Let me play you a little bit of actual Bruce Lee. Let me just get this out. This is what it is, okay? I said, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup. It becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Now, that is cool. That is cool. And you would stop to listen to that. Yeah. Use that. <laughs> what the fuck is the Coke? Yeah, glass thing going on. Yeah, didn't get it, but that makes more sense that they were like... we got to do a water thing. we got yeah. Yeah, no good. Uh, so we're into the training, and if you thought Karate Kid, as I did, labour Danny's training, or Daniel's training, then, <laughs> oh, oh, you haven't watched No Retreat, No Surrender. We get a total of four training montages. Mm. Uh, what differentiates this from Karate Kid is that while Mr Miyagi's training of Daniel takes on a sort of very spiritual aura, uh, in this, Bruce Lee kicks the shit out of Jason until he gets better. <laughs> he really does, doesn't he? Repeatedly. And, and laughs at it. He, he does the one-inch punch that mm. you've you've referenced, that you've you've received. Yep. Um, he's, he's, he messes up his shoulder. It's Yeah, training begins tomorrow just after I've kicked the shit out of you. <laughs> It's it's also Miyagi's is spiritual. This is it's pretty camp. I just, it's just very it's just very violent. Uh, I, I, it makes me think that Tom might have a point that Jason should give up fighting if he's going to fight the ghost of Bruce Lee. But we'll get on to whether he is fighting the ghost of Bruce Lee in a moment because oh. we've got a little interval mm. where we go to the brig. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of a bar in a film. Looks like a fun bar to me. I'd like to drink there. Uh, Tom doesn't look like he should be a barman, uh, and he can't pull a pint to save his life so he pulls to begin with one of the worst pints you've ever seen and while agreed at this point i don't think we're that concerned about continuity in this movie the head of that beer gets bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller in every shot as he walks it over to the thug who then pours it in his face yeah uh yeah, who I thought was Scott for quite a lot of this film. <laughs> I thought he'd be Scott's dad, but if we see his dad earlier, it's not him. Yeah, he should be Scott's dad. Yep. Yeah, 100%. He's essentially Scott in five years. Uh, one of the thugs who turns up outside a little bit later, uh, that is the writer of the film, uh, Keith uh, Strandberg. I can't tell you which one, uh, but that, he is in the movie as one of those thugs. Uh, so... We see Jason learning this movie is equivalent to the crane kick uh, from Karate mm -hmm. Kid, except in this version, Jason has one leg in a noose. It looks very dangerous. He genuinely looks like he could like do himself an injury. You've got one leg. Mm. Like the actor, Kurt McKinney, not Jason anymore, the actor Kurt McKinney, he's got one leg sort of tied into a noose and he's trying to kick a, a very high punch bag. And he is continually falling on his back. And um, Kurt McKinney says about this, it was a non-union film. They didn't have as much health and safety on this film as you'd normally expect. And they hired actors young and eager enough who would do things like sticking their leg in a noose. Wow. So, yeah. Hey, it made him nearly famous, so... Uh, there's a scene around here, so let's talk about this. RJ is spying on Jason yeah. uh, for various reasons. This is the, this is the campness I'm talking about. Mm. He, he's in a little shorts and in a little vest. There's lots of skipping and jumping on picnic tables. Yep. And then he's he's hip thrusting on a park bench until 
RJ sits on him. Yeah. And then later he's doing thrust with RJ sitting on him yep. while suggestively eating an ice cream. So what's going on? Uh, what's going on here? Is this, is this how you learn martial arts? This is this is uh, bum to crotch with an ice cream in your mouth. I'd say after the volleyball scene in Top Gun and Apollo and Rocky frolicking in the surf in Rocky Three. Mm. This is up there in one of the most homoerotic scenes in mm. action cinema. It's astonishing. Yeah, I don't think it's how you learn martial arts. I think okay. it's how you make a best friend who perhaps you then look back on and go. That was probably a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah, RJ's been very familiar since the start of this. It's the fact that Jason doesn't mind at the moment, and then in fact they have a tickle fight uh, <laughs> after that. They have a tickle fight. But RJ also sees Jason training with no one. Yes. So I find that interesting because at this point, I've accepted the logic of no retreat, no surrender, is that Bruce Lee's ghost has manifested yeah. to Jason. Yeah. And at this point, when RJ sees him sparring with no one, the argument is that actually Jason has had some mental break yes. and has, in his head, believed that Bruce Lee has come to help him defeat Dean. We should have paired it with Fight Club. Oh, my God. We've messed up there. Oh, my God. Again, that would be an even fairer fight. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I guess they'll argue, well, he's the only one that can see Bruce. Um then make up some rule. But yes, it is a strange choice to have RJ see him talking to no one. Mm. Uh, maybe leave that out. Okay. So uh, Jason uh, saves his whimpering dad, Tom, from a group of thugs and tells him, quite, quite rightly, Dad, there are some times where you have to fight, mm. uh, which Tom... Oh, he finally understands uh, and, and utters the immortal line... I've been such a fool. Mm. You have, Tom. Uh, time for... I don't know how to describe this. So, is it a nightclub? Is it a yeah. youth club? It's a, it's a nightclub, but it, it just... It gives me whiplash, this film. It just... It just... It's all over the place because suddenly everyone's dressed like Michael Jackson. <laughs> this film... This, I, I don't like... I, I have to say that this whole... There's something ill-defined about this venue and, and the different ages of people in this venue. There's some very young people. There's some much older men. This feels like the kind of, like the, that, that place that Jonathan King used to pick up kids. It's got that vibe about it. Mm. I, I, I haven't been. I don't know if it's still there, but that's sort of that disco-y kind of place where, you know, it's like, yes. anyway, it's a creepy venue. Yes, and RJ's dressed as the Royal Michael Jackson of that era. Um, the body poppers are dressed like Thriller Michael Jackson. Mm. <laughs> I, I felt like this scene, though, it needed some pop songs. You know, Karate Kid's got a good soundtrack of 80s pop songs. Obviously, they had more money, but the beats are so generic here. You wanted one memorable tune to watch them dance to. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh... I think I tried to Shazam one of the songs, I th but and it, it, only, it only exists on the No Retreat, No Surrender official <laughs> yeah, soundtrack. I can believe that. So uh, the, the bottom line here is that Kelly and Jason get together. Let's get to the finale. Um, uh, the gangsters from the start have returned. Mm. Let's just establish this. These are members of an organised crime syndicate yeah. who have previously tried to use muscle to own all the dojos in the country as fronts for something. Mm. But now they've decided ownership of the Seattle dojo will be settled by a legitimate exhibition match with the winner keeping the dojo. I don't think these criminals understand what crime is. No. Um, and also, we we do need a scene where this deal is made so that we can better understand it. Because what you've just said doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm -mm. Are they, they? It sounds like they're willing to give up all their dojos. They're willing to give up this dojo. That's not how the mafia work. If this, guy, as far as I know, if they lose this exhibition match, they don't want the dojos. And for some reason, uh, they are absolutely thrilled. Uh, I'll start the quote. Representatives from print and TV will be there and it will be covered live by two local radio stations. Mafia Why? love that. <laughs> More publicity, please. The press there. Why do you... I really want you to take photos of me. Um, <sighs> yeah, and, and it'll, it'll, there'll be an audience there, but it'll be all children and teenagers. Yep. Um, in a sports hall, uh, which makes three gangsters sitting on the front row dressed like they're in Vegas look conspicuous at best, idiots at worst. But but another similarity between the two films is um, the good uh, the bad guys dress in black. Remember that? Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Well, all right. So we're into the climax where yes. we're finally going to see Jason exact revenge on the bully Scott and Dean because yeah. that's what we want. We've been building towards that for a good 90 minutes. Except no, it's Dean and his dojo mates versus the mob's karate team. Except no, again. <laughs> well, no, it starts out that way. It starts out it's the Manhattan Maulers versus the Seattle Vikings. I, I can't remember what the Seattle team are called, but what I do know is that the, the movie takes the time and it already feels overlong to introduce each of the Manhattan Maulers by name in an incredibly laboured sequence. Yes. They get to the end of the three Manhattan Maulers, and at that point they go, you're not even fighting them. We've introduced them. Sorry for wasting your time. New rule. Your new new fighter is Ivan Krasinski. This this is the real quiz. (laughs) Um, I will say, though, when that happens, I, I am pretty excited for this tournament. I mean, I can't help it with a sports movie, but... You know, the mobster pushing the announcer out of the way, the way to reveal that he only needs Ivan. It's a good twist. The crowd goes nuts. I'll tell you what it is. It's the fact that it's Van Damme is back on screen. And yes. That's what's exciting because you're like, actually, Van Damme is Jean-Claude Van Damme. And, and I, I recognise him. Well, I recognise him. Everyone watching this film would recognise him from the start of the film, but the filmmakers don't trust you, so they do a flashback to the beginning to remind you he's the one that broke Dad's leg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Audiences aren't that dumb. Uh, the, the the first announcer is replaced by a second referee. Uh, the first announcer was using a microphone, which had a microphone effect on it. The second referee... Uh, the, is the microphone in his wig? <laughs> he still speaks like this, but there's no microphone there. They no. haven't bothered to put a microphone no. in front of him. He's just got a robot I'm telling voice. you, it's in his wig. That is a terrible syrup. <laughs> uh, so, Ivan is going to fight all of the Seattle team, and then, just so the movie makes sense, anyone who fancies a go, really, from the crowd, maybe Jason? Well, yeah, but I think they've... I th- I've thought about that. The mob have changed the rules by chucking someone who wasn't supposed to be fighting into the ring, into the tournament. Right. I think then the opposition could do the same thing and chuck anyone they want in there to fight him. But they have set it up nicely and that he's got to fight three people. It's Dean, it's Pete, and it's Ian, and we know all three of those. Yeah, we've sort but, of know. We know Pete and well, we've Ian seen, a bit. We've seen them. <laughs> but we don't want to see Van Damme beat up Dean. We want to see Jason beat up Dean. Yeah, well, this is the trouble because Van Damme's the villain, but Dean's the villain. And so you've got two villains fighting each other. It's still, they, yeah. they've, just, they've just got confused about who's a goodie and who's a baddie. Yeah, uh, according to uh, the writer Keith Strandberg, uh, Van Damme uh, apparently uh, didn't have the best control uh, when it came to pulling his kicks. Uh, Keith says uh, apparently he still has that problem. I cannot confirm that. But in the fight with real-life champion kickboxer Peter Cunningham, uh, he went to kick him, he made contact with his head and knocked him out cold, Mm. something that had never happened in Cunningham's actual kickboxing career. Yeah. That's not cool. So Van Damme breaks character, like, because he's like, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the director loses his shit with Van Damme. He's like, no, 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 no. You've broken character. Mm. We have to do the whole thing again. So they do it again. Van Damme knocks him out a second time. Apparently not great with his control. No. Or, well, you know, you'd, you'd hear stories about you hear stories about Seagal leaving one on the guys he's fighting as well on the odd film set. He's not particularly popular with stuntmen. Really? Yeah. The, the, you get you get a reputation quickly when this happens, and I hadn't actually heard it that often about Van Damme, but mm. certainly around this film, people have claimed that he's he was doing that. Yeah, but there are people who claim that it wasn't as well. Like, I, sure. You know, I, it's... Well, we've had, I mean, it was obviously this was all in the news with Tarantino and Bruce Lee, where you had one set of people saying Bruce Lee would do this, another set saying he'd never do this. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's he said, he said. So, Jason finally steps into the ring. RJ shouts for the third and final time, no retreat, no surrender. And Jason uses the knock crane kick he learned from Sensei Lee to defeat Van Damme. The Van Damme fighting is great. He's brilliant. He does the splits. Yeah. Well, yeah, he does this. He does the splits where he crosses arms and grins at the mm-hmm. camera between uh, ropes. I guess that's the first time we saw this because that obviously became his trademark. Um, but Jason's not bad either. He enters the ring with a roundhouse kick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's good. Yeah, I like this fight. Yes, this is a proper too. fight. This feels, this whole... This, it feels like a PG action sequence. Yeah. It feels like, you know, it's it's obviously not going to be that violent, but you do, you know, you get that a bit, that hit of adrenaline you do when you're watching people go at each other in a movie. Scott bites his leg. 
Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. yeah he Scott does. bites Ivan's leg, which yeah. turns Scott into some kind of hero. Mm. Didn't need that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's all a mess in terms of who we're supposed to be supporting here. Yeah, and 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 also, I don't think we need flashbacks to Bruce Lee teaching him the moves that he's then using in the ring. Again, we can remember it was twenty <laughs> minutes ago. Therefore, just show us the fight. Yep. Yeah, and also after he wins, after Jason defeats Van Dam and gets allowed, I mean, on the one hand, sure, Jason is you know sticking up for his dad, who still, despite having recovered from his broken leg, is like really anti-fighting. He's like, you know, you get in there, son. He beat the shit out of me, but I think you're better than me now. You go do it. So uh, he does it for his dad, but he also gets Dean his and, and Ian in their dojo back mm. by beating Van Dam, which is something that he's not even a member of because they beat him up when he went round there. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, the script needed work. Uh, he gets the bumps at the end, though, which is nice. Yeah, but again, again, if you're going to rip off Karate Kid, which apparently this film doesn't, according to Kurt McKinney, uh, you, you have to have that moment where Dean runs up and goes, you're all right, Jason. Like yeah. Johnny does. You just yeah. need Dean to sort of, like, either be, like, embarrassed, like one of the two. He needs to either be embarrassed and shamed uh, because he couldn't do it and J Jason could, and everyone's like, screw you, Dean. So d that's his comeuppance. Or, and this is actually, I think I may be doing my change early, or he goes, I'm so sorry for being an absolute dick for the entire of this movie. Yeah, you need that. Um, I think what the Karate Kid gets right, this gets wrong, is that flip move is the thing that should kick... Ivan out of the ring and win the fight. It's not the flip kick. It's the next thing he does. Mm. Um, and Bruce Lee just disappears from the film. He doesn't say anything uh, to him before he leaves to Jason. No. Um, and so I think Bruce Lee's got to be at the door, just give him a thumbs up or something. Yeah. Uh, you... Which sounds stupid, but like the film's stupid. And I think you need that. I mean, it would be Karate Kid, but that Mr. Miyagi smile is really important. I think the Bruce Lee, you know, Bruce Lee should bow to him. And then yeah. disappear. Yep, and I think that was my second change. Good, we're going to have fun when we come to the change section. Uh, so, uh, talking about sequels, you mentioned that there were two sequels to this movie in various different territories. There, are, I think there is some, something like five, five sequels. Anyway, um, there is a lot of potential sequels to this movie, but three definitely official ones. So... Uh, on this podcast, the Kid Free Weekend podcast, uh, Kurt McKinney uh, talks about No Retreat, No Surrender 2, which both him and Van Damme were contractually meant to be doing. Uh, it was going to be filmed in Thailand, in the jungle, on the Cambodian border. Uh, there was a lot of debate going around, apparently, um, seasonal films. The production company that made this were uh, calling Kurt, going, oh, yeah, you're in, yeah, you're all, we're all doing this. And Kurt kept going, just go through my agent. You know, that's how it works. I know non-union film, this one, but just go through my agent. And they were like, yeah, 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 yeah but we're going to do it in the Cambodian jungle. Anyway, it all goes quiet for a bit. And so McKinney, these are his words, he rings Van Damme um, about the sequel and asks Van Damme if he's heard anything. And I'm quoting McKinney here. Uh, he rings Van Damme, who says, uh, you, you, you know what's on the Cambodian border? Pirates. They'll steal our equipment, our passports. The police won't know us. They'll throw us in jail and fuck us in the butt, so I'm not going. Wow. And McKinney uh, <laughs> was like... Okay, I'm probably not going to do it too. And so neither of them ended up doing it. Wow. McKinney was also told he couldn't bring his wife because she was blonde-haired and blue-eyed and presented a kidnap risk. Right. So that's why neither Van Damme or Kurt McKinney are in uh, the sequel, No Surrender, uh, No Retreat, No Surrender 2. Okay. Was he, was he also doing a lot of cocaine at the time? <laughs> um, Kurt McGinney says the dubbing in this movie um, of the actor who plays Bruce Lee's ghost, he says, you know, the fact it's so bad... Is kind of what makes this film loved. Uh, the things that went wrong make it endearing, mm. like Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yes, that would have been a good pairing. <laughs> Again, real genuine jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, he suggests that uh, a remake should be done by Quentin Tarantino. He should reboot it uh, with him, Kurt McKinney, and Van Damme fighting zombies. He was put on the spot. Did but... he come across well? No, he, he comes. Sounds, a... He sounds like an idiot. No, he comes across really well. All right, he comes across really well. Uh, and that's that's it from me. Yeah, great. All right then, let's do the bits. What is your best scene? Um, when John Claude Van Damme does the splits, crosses his arms and grins. 
Yep, the final fight with Van Damme, especially where he crosses his arms, does the splits and grins. I, I Honestly, I don't know whether it's because... You know, obviously, I'm watching this for the first time now, having known a career's worth of Van yeah. Damme movies. And so I'm like, that's Van Damme. And I don't know, you know, if I'd watched it in the time, I'd feel the same. But certainly now, you're like, fucking Van Damme, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know what you mean, but I do feel like it comes alive when he's on screen. It's like there's a huge gap in this film, and that's the hour between his two sequences. He's the most exciting fighter yeah. uh, in it. Uh, but then he does get more to do than Pete Cunningham, who obviously was a really good fighter in real sure. life. So, yeah, MVW. Uh, most valuable ever. So, I mean, he, Van Damme, he looks good. He looks great. In that suit he's at the so start. so beautiful. Mm. He's got the moves. He looks cool when he's doing them. I mean, he's not Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's Jean-Claude Van Glam here. Oh. And I'm giving it to him. Uh, I'll keep it short. Van Damme, uh, because mm. he's Van Damme. And what would I change? I've done mine, so yeah, I'll do them really quickly. Well. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you need uh, you need Jason to either kick Dean or Scott's ass, or we need a clear moment where they apologise to Jason for saving their asses and their dojo, but preferably the first, because I really want Jason to kick Dean's ass, or Bruce Lee in the doorway, bowing as he leaves. Yeah, that, my, yeah. that was yours. Kind of. Um, it, the whole film is predicated on Scott's hatred for RJ and by proxy Jason. So we've got to be given a clue as to why Scott hates RJ. Because right now it looks like he's really racist. And if that's the problem, so be it. It's suddenly a film about race. But I mean, I can't believe they've left that out. Mm. Yep. And as I said, Kurt McKinney says there was never a discussion about it. He was just cast as bully who just bullies people. I just, I mean, it's it's conspicuous in its absence, but you know, I think it's it's ignorance rather than anything else. Hmm. Any more for any more? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I think um, should we let Vicky introduce the verdict? <laughs> <laughs> no, you still got you still got your head around this. Okay, unbelievable. Oh, here we go. It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Right then. Um, uh, well, I'll go first, obviously, because <laughs> everyone knows which way I'm voting. Okay, I, cool. I think I think Karate Kid's up there with Star Wars and The King of Kong. That's my holy trinity of I think the three ultimate films about the conflict between good and evil. And so, and as I said on Monday, it's on the, on a deeper level. It's about the villains only being taught the physical and the hero being taught the physical and the spiritual. It's a beautiful story. It's about a beautiful friendship. It's got important things to say about having balance in your life. And I spent 75 minutes explaining why it's so good on Monday. I don't need to say anything else. It's obviously the karate kid. So my turn. I started this week by saying I am not a karate kid fan. I have no eighties nostalgia for it. It doesn't have many fights. I find it kind of boring. No retreat, no surrender is anything but boring and falls firmly into the so bad it's good category despite being utter balls. So I'm a bit torn this week. But having thought long and hard, uh, given the right circumstances, which movie would I watch again? And that movie, given the right circumstances, is no retreat, oh, no surrender. Don't be a dick. <laughs> what, you, what are you doing? I do, I, Alex, you just undermine our podcast by doing that. <laughs> you undermine the concept. You, uh, it's, it's an insult to the people who've listened for the last hour and for an hour and a quarter on Monday. This is embarrassing. You just said yourself we should sit, maybe have a couple of beers and watch No Retreat, No Surrender again. If you you said to me, "Do you want to come around and watch No Retreat, No Surrender? We'll have some, we'll have some drinks." I'd be like, "Fuck yes!" If you said, "Come watch the Karate Kid with me," I'll buy all the booze in the world. I'd be like, "I oh, know, mate. I've seen it." So on that on that level, I would watch No Fine. Fuck it, it's the Karate Kid because if I if I vote No Retreat, No Surrender, we have no way out of this episode because <laughs> Vicky clearly has not watched No Retreat, No Surrender. At least this time, it's her favourite film. But this time, she hasn't watched it. So it, we never. We I don't know what we do. It would be a split vote and. Be because I can see your face right now wearing a I am Daniel gonna... LaRusso 
fucking headband. Fine. I'm going to chop you. <laughs> the Karate Kid can have my vote because I don't know really that I would watch No Retreat, No Surrender <laughs> again. I don't know how much booze I need to drink. <laughs> right then, the Karate Kid is our winner. Hey. Sort of, sort Get him of. a body pack. Let's see, what, let's see what happens in the poll. We'll see what happens in the poll. <laughs> uh, don't forget, you have your say. If you think we, uh, you know... Voted right or wrong this week. Uh, then the Twitter poll goes online very soon. At ClashPod on Twitter is where we are. You'll be voting for the Karate Kid versus No Retreat, No Surrender. All right, then. Uh, let's look ahead to next week. The clue I gave you on Monday for next week's pairing is... They're right, little terrors. Um, Chris will have had some work to do on Twitter to uh, compensate for that. because we'll, uh... we'll go and sort out in the pub All on right. camera. All right. Uh, so they're right, little terrors. We are doing The Good Son versus Orphan. The Good Son versus Orphan is next week's pairing. We'll tell you why we've picked those next week. Next week. Um, I didn't look up where they are, Chris, did you? Uh, Good Son is on Disney Plus in the UK. Orphan is available to rent on the usual places. All right, then. That's your homework for the weekend. The Good Son versus Orphan. We will be back on Monday talking The Good Son. Until then, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, do tell your friends about us, especially this episode. Tell them to watch No Retreat, No Surrender, and then join us here on ClashPod. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.